Let's turn to uh, Matthew chapter 21. Matthew chapter 21. And you've got your little outline. You've got your little outline there. Uh, so, you know, if you want to jot down anything extra, that's fine. But uh, I gave you a little outline of what we're going to be talking about. Today, we're going to talk about seven steps to believing God when you pray. Seven steps to believing God when you pray. Father, I just thank you, Lord, for your people. Lord, I just thank you, Lord, for giving them a hunger for the word. I thank you, Lord, for their, uh, you know, just their love of the word and their desire to want to know more and learn more. And Lord, for all of us to just go up to a higher level of knowing and believing and understanding your word, Lord, and learning how to use your word skillfully and become the mature believers, Lord, uh, uh, and reach adult, uh, spiritual adulthood uh, as you desire for each and every one of us, Father. And I just pray over this word today and I ask you to give me utterance by the Holy Spirit in Jesus' name. Amen. Matthew 21, verse 21. This is Matthew's account of the fig tree. Um, Jesus answered and said unto them, Verily I say unto you, If ye have faith and doubt not, ye shall not only do this which is done to the fig tree, but also if ye shall say unto this mountain, be thou removed, and be thou cast into the sea, it shall be done. And all things whatsoever ye shall ask in prayer, believing ye shall receive. How many things? 25% of the time? 50% of the time? No, Jesus said 100% of the time. Now, some people might say, well, Jesus didn't really mean 100% of the time. Jesus didn't really mean what he said. You know, to some people, the Bible is just a book of symbols or history uh, or, you know, wise sayings and parables. But, yeah, it, it's life. Amen. And if Jesus didn't mean what he said, and if he, if he didn't say what he meant, why pray? I mean, why pray? If, if that's the way they feel about God's Word, why pray at all? Why pray to somebody that didn't mean what they said? Why, you know, how can people expect to get a result from somebody that, that doesn't know, you know, if they meant what they said or not? If what they said is changeable, if it's subject to change, and sometimes he does and sometimes he doesn't, do, do people really expect to get a result? you know, from, from someone like that. So, you know, we, it, people cannot base their eternal destiny uh, on somebody that didn't mean what they said. Uh, so if God said something one time, that's enough. This, uh, this day um, that Jesus was talking to the disciples along these lines, this was a literal fig tree that literally died. 
It was not a spiritual fig tree. This wasn't yeah. some spiritual abstract thing. Uh, you know, some theoretical something that Jesus was talking about. He's talking about the area of material things. And prayer works in the area of changing material things. If you think about it, the things that give us the most problems are the things we can see, isn't it? You know, it, it's not the things we can't see, really, that's, that needs to be changed. It's what we can see that, that gives us the most problems. So. The things that need to be changed by prayer are things that are material. Now in verse 22, Jesus said, All things whatsoever ye shall ask in prayer, believing ye shall receive. Now notice he did not say, All things whatsoever ye ask in prayer, ye shall receive. He didn't say, all things you ask in prayer, you shall be received. He said, all things you ask in prayer, believing you shall receive. So he stuck that word in, in the middle there, didn't he? He stuck that word believing there in the middle. Now, um, let's Let's go, uh, let's go right into uh, our first step here. Uh, just turn over the page there, a few pages there to Mark 11 and Mark's account of this story. Mark 11:24. Jesus said, Therefore I say unto you, what things soever ye desire when ye pray, believe that ye receive them, and ye shall have them. Now, if, if we were to uh, kind of compare the uh, area of prayer to the area of sports, uh, you know that in sports there are rules or guidelines that someone has drawn up for a particular sport, each particular sport, someone has drawn up guidelines that govern and define how that game is played. And in the area of prayer, uh, there are guidelines, depending on what kind of prayer you're praying, there are guidelines that define how that prayer is, is to be prayed according to the Word of God. Now, the prayer, area of prayer that we're talking about today is an area of prayer uh, that changes things. Prayer that changes things. That's one category of prayer. Another category of prayer is praise and thanksgiving. Another category of prayer is uh, consecration and dedication and worship. Another area of prayer is united prayer, intercessory prayer. These are all different areas of prayer, just like in sports, you have different areas of sports. You have football and cricket uh, and curling and, you know, uh, all these uh, rugby, you've got all these different sports that are defined and governed by rules that govern that sport. Well, in the area of prayer, 
we don't pray all prayers the same way. There, each, each category of prayer is prayed in a different way. Now, the, the area of prayer that we're talking about today is prayer that changes things. Uh, under the, under the uh, category of prayer that changes things, we have four uh, subgroups. We have the prayer of agreement. We have the prayer of binding and loosing. We have the prayer of petition and the prayer of intercession. Now today, we're going to uh, focus on the prayer of petition. The prayer of petition, when we go to God and we make a request of God for something that we need or desire or something that needs to be changed, this is called the prayer of petition. And one of the rules, if you want to say rules, I, I don't like using that word because it sounds legalistic, but you know what I mean. One of the, the guidelines that applies to this prayer of petition, when you're asking God for something, is that you must believe you receive when you pray, not when you have it. You believe you receive when you pray. Now, the very first step to uh, believing God when you pray is the prayer must be based on God's Word. The Word of God gives the answer to the prayer instead of the problem. And a lot of times people go to God with the problem. And they just pray the problem over and over and over and over. And they, if I could just get God to understand what I'm going through, if I could just get God's attention somehow, I believe he would do something. And they just go to God with the problem over and over and over, and they keep rehearsing the problem, and they call it prayer. What we need to do, God knows the problem. What we need to do is start with the answer to the problem, instead of the problem. So we start with the answer, which is God's Word. And if we go to God's Word and we find scriptures that cover the situation that needs to be changed, whether it's salvation of a loved one, whether it's healing, whether it's your needs being met, whether it's, you know, forgiveness, uh, you know, whatever the area is, so anything that needs to be changed, if we go to God's Word and find the answer, this will eliminate confusion and doubt to begin with. So the foundation for believing and having confidence that God will hear you and that you will receive what you desire is knowing what God said about it in the first place. Faith makes prayer work. Prayer does not make faith work. Now in 1 John 5.14, it says, This is the confidence that we have in Him, that if we ask anything according to His will, He heareth us. That means whatever we find in the Word of God, that's the will of God in that area, we already know that when we pray that, God's going to hear us. And whatsoever we ask, we know that we have the petitions that we desired of Him. 
Knowing God's word is what gives us confidence that he hears us. That's, that's our confidence, is that we have God's word, and, and because we're starting out with the word, we're starting out with the answer, and we're going to God with the answer, that gives us confidence that he hears us. This is why it's absolutely vital that you establish an uh, irrevocable, unwavering trust in the integrity of God's word and know that it is his covenant bond with man. God does not answer prayer on the basis of need. And I remember when that, I, that was a total shock to me. I mean, I remember listening, to, boy, I had some big needs and I had lots of them. And I was listening to brother, one of Brother Copeland's tapes and he said, God doesn't answer faith, a prayer based on needs. And I thought, you gotta be kidding. <laughs> I mean, don't tell me that, you know. That is not what I wanted to hear. Cause, and then, but then as he explained it, you know, I understood because if God, answered prayer on the basis of need, it wouldn't be 15 minutes till the devil would be leading God around by the nose all over the world. The devil would run over, over here and start a fire and God would run over here and put it out. And the devil would come over here and start a fire and God would come over here and pull it out. And you know, he'd just be running over here and he'd start a war here. He'd, he'd you know, have a storm here and God would just be running around the world putting out the devil's fires. So, so that's why, you know, uh, God doesn't uh, answer prayer on the basis of need. He answers it uh, on the basis of who we are in Christ. And he does it because he honors his word. That's why he answers prayer. God's word is his covenant bond with man. God is not using sickness or trouble for your benefit. He is not mad at you. God does not think more of somebody else than he does you. The same uh, tests and trials fall on the just and the unjust. You know, as long as everything's going okay, you can't tell the difference between a natural person and a person of faith. I mean, they're just walking along here together, you know, as long as everything's going good, you can't tell a difference. But when the tests and trials of life come, that's when, uh, you know, the, the natural person falls in the midst of an impossibility. When they come up against something impossible, the natural person falls. They just stop in their tracks. But the person of faith takes the Word of God and the power of God, and they begin to excel and they just keep believing and they just keep going. Uh, that, that's the difference between the natural person and the person of faith. It's not the test and trials that defeat people. It's a lack of knowledge of how to use their faith and the word of God. And that's what I, I mentioned, Hebrews 5.13. Paul says those that don't know how to use the word of God and he was writing to Christians. He said, Christians that don't know how to use the word of God uh, are unskillful in the word of God, and he called them spiritual babies. And uh, you and I are ma a majority over every problem. Amen? 
Greater is he that's in us than he that's in the world. And I tell you what, we're not staying babies. Amen? Hallelujah. We're, 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 we're in class. We're in school today, and we're learning. Amen? We're learning because we're going to be prepared for all those people that are coming, and they're not going to know anything about this. They're going to be unskillful in the word of righteousness, and when the storms come, they're not going to know what to do. They're going to come running to us, and we're going to be prepared. Amen? We're going to be able to help them. Hallelujah. No one doubts God's power. They doubt his willingness to use his power where they are concerned. The Bible is a revelation of God's willingness to use his power to set man free from everything that, that could bind him up because of his union with Satan. The Bible does not say God is power. It says God is love. We are joint heirs with Jesus, and anything he would do for Jesus, he would do for you. Drive out doubt and sin consciousness with the word of God. God is in business to take care of you if you were the only person in the whole world. Begin to meditate on that. The love of God and that he, he, what he would do for you, he would, he would do it if you were the only one here. Amen? Amen. We, we need to get a revelation. We have his name. We have his word to show us his love. Do you realize if we didn't have the word of God, we would not know anything about God? We would not know one single thing about God. We would just be guessing. We'd just be wondering. I mean, even though we're Christians and, and we got the Holy Spirit, if we didn't have God's word, we wouldn't know anything about God. And, and unfortunately, this is the way a lot of Christians live and a lot of Christians pray. They, because they don't know the word, they don't know, they don't know if God will do something or not. That's why you hear them say, well, you never know what God will do. Why do they say that? Because they, they, don't, they don't know the word, you know. It's a revelation of what he will do. We, you know, we, he wrote his, his will down on paper. You know, to, to show us he loves us, to tell us he loves us. So it's because of his love that he uses his power. God so loved the world, his love and compassion is what moved him. That's why, you know, the, this uh, popular notion, you know, uh, that's contrary to God's character and plan you know, that people say, you know, God will grind somebody down to powder, you know. He'll grind them in the dirt. He'll make their kids sick, you know, and claim he's doing it to teach them something. That, that is totally, completely contrary to the Word of God. And, and the reason people come up with stuff like that uh, is because they don't know the Word of God, and it's a lack of faith. It's just an excuse for a lack of faith. Most of the time, that's what it is. They make up a carnal answer to a spiritual problem. When people don't know the word, they don't know the will of God. And they begin to judge God and judge tests and trials of life that they're going through according to their experience, according to somebody else's experience, 
or according to what somebody said that somebody said the Bible said. They don't know what the, the Word says for themselves. They base everything that happens to them on their experience, not according to the Word of God, and that's how they come up with these ridiculous explanations for why things happen. When we realize God's feeling and love for us, then we can take our place as God's child. We begin to get in line with Him, and He responds to our desires and wishes. John 15 verse 7 says, If ye abide in me, and my words abide in you, ye shall ask what ye will, and it shall be done unto you. Now notice again, Jesus didn't say, If you abide in me, ye shall ask whatever you will, and it shall be done unto you. That'd be, a, that'd be an easy prayer, wouldn't it? I mean, every Christian, every Christian could claim that. Well, I you know, I abide in him, so, uh, you know, whatever I ask, it will be done. No, he said, if you abide in me and my words abide in you. He, he stuck that in the middle. And my words abide in you, then ye shall ask what ye will, and it shall be done unto you. That that's a key phrase where he said, my words abide in you. The word that lives in you is the word you practice, the word you act on, the word you remember and do. And it brings control to your thinking. Isaiah 55, 11 says, so shall my word be that goeth forth out of my mouth. It shall not return unto me void. What does that mean? It will not return to me without results. That's a promise of God. When you base your prayer on God's word and you pray the answer and not the problem, you are returning God's word to him and he said it will not return void. You go to God's word and it says, you know, by the stripes of Jesus, I was healed. Lord, I'm returning your word to you, not void. Father, you said give, and it shall be given unto me. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over. Men would give unto my bosom. Father, I'm returning your word to you, not void. What am I doing? I'm praying the answer and not the problem. I'm returning God's word to him, and, and it... God said it will not return without results. Now, let's say in the area of healing, we're, we're talking about step number one, the, we, we must base our prayer on God's word. So before you pray, you go to the word and you find the answers for healing. I got a whole brochure over there of healing scriptures and that's not even all of them. That's just what I could get on a piece of paper. Isaiah 53, 4 and 5. Matthew 8, 17. 1 Peter 2, 24. Psalm 103, verse 3. Psalm 107, 20. That's just a few healing scriptures. You go to those scriptures and you are approaching God with the answer and you're returning it to Him and you're not going round and round and round with the problem. 
Praying the problem won't change the problem. That's why people pray like that. They call it prayer, and when nothing happens, they say, well, it wasn't God's will. I mean, that, that's their explanation, is it wasn't God's will, and all they did was go to, the God, to God with the problem over and over and over and over and walk off and call it prayer, and then when nothing happens, they say, well, it wasn't God's will. Well, can you see, can you see wherein lies the problem, you know? And you got the word in you. You're acting on fear. If the word was in you, that'll get rid of the fear. And then faith will start to rise, but yeah. you're acting on fear most of the time. But see, and, and I don't want to get ahead of myself, but a lot one reason why people pray, they pray thinking they can change God. They're trying to pray to change God, and God's not what needs changing. The things are what needs changing. You know, the, the circumstances are what needs changing, and because they don't know God's Word, they think, somehow i got to convince God how bad I need this thing. And if I can just... You know, maybe it's not his will for me to have it, but I really need it. And if I can just convince God how bad I need this, and I can change his mind about it, I might just get it anyway. That's not, that, that's not prayer. And that's why they, they come up then, then, then what they do, if they get it, they say it was the will of God, and if they don't get it, they say it wasn't the will of God. Now, they're, they're wrong on both, both accounts. They've gone at this wrong from start to finish. That whole process is wrong. The whole explanation is wrong. That's nothing more than, than rolling dice in the spiritual realm. That's what it is. A lot of people, they just throw dice out in the spiritual realm and, and call it prayer. And they think if it comes up double sixes, and I get it, it was God's will. And if it comes up snake eyes, it wasn't God's will, and I didn't get it. And that's, that's the way people pray, and that's the way they explain answered prayer. And, and it's wrong from start to finish. God already knows the problem, and, and somebody might say, well, why don't he do something about it? He has. He sent Jesus. I mean, what else is he going to, you know? I mean, what else is God going to do in the area of healing? What, what else is there left for him to do that he hasn't done, you know? What else is there for him to do concerning meeting our needs? You know, Jesus has already gone to the cross. He's already born the whole curse in his own body. He absorbed poverty. He's carried all of our diseases. He went to hell and paid the price for man's sin. He defeated Satan in his own hometown. And he broke every area of man's union with Satan. And what's left for us to do is to take God's word and return it to him and receive what Jesus has already provided for us, and then, having done all to stand, stand. Now, this same process applies to salvation, having your needs met, forgiving others, receiving the Holy Spirit, 
go to the scriptures that cover these areas. Then you're going to pray the answer according to the word of God. You're going to return his word to him, not void, and you're going to believe you receive when you pray. Hebrews 4.16 says, Let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. It doesn't say come hope to receive help. It says come and obtain. You, you go boldly before the throne of God with his word and you say, Lord, I believe, I receive it, I take it, I have it now. It's mine now. Amen. Then begin to meditate on these scriptures that you have prayed. Meditating on the word cultivates and expands your faith in this area. When contrary circumstances come, you will react in faith as the word has been given first place through meditating upon it. This will cause opposing circumstances to come in line with that word. We have to train ourselves to meditate in the word of God. I have only ever read one book on that subject. I've only ever seen one book written on how to meditate God's Word. Uh, you don't even hear too much about it. You hear faith preachers talk a little bit about it, but not a whole lot about how to do it. And I, and, and it, I think it's something, you know, uh, I think that's kind of the missing link, you know, in our ability to receive. And, and I've, uh, you know, when, when, you know, over there in Joshua, God said, you know, meditate in my word day and night that you may observe to do all according to all that's written in. And then what? You shall make your way prosperous. He didn't say, I will make your way prosperous. He said, you will make your way prosperous and you shall have good success. And uh, I think, you know, this is something I think I have probably not, you know, uh, done enough of it at times because I wasn't aware of it. Like I said, I've never heard anybody really teach on it. I've only ever read one book on the subject. And uh, I think it's, it's, it's uh, a real key in being able to uh, believe the word and act on it because it, it it begins to expand your capacity to believe in your heart and, and get to the place where you know that you know this is, I got it. And I don't care what happens around me now, I know I got it. <clears throat> um, then, we're going to hold fast to our profession of faith. Hebrews 4.14 By keeping a firm grip on the word, the problem will cease and the answer will prevail. Step two, begin the application of your faith. Let's turn over to Luke 17. Luke 17. <clears throat> 
Step number one was uh, begin the answer with God's word. Go to God's word for the answer. Return it to him, not void. Luke 17, uh, verse 11. And it came to pass, as he went to Jerusalem, that he passed through the midst of Samaria and Galilee. And as he entered into a certain village, there met him ten men that were lepers, which stood afar off. And they lifted up their voices and said, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. And when he saw them, he said to them, Go show yourselves unto the priest. And it came to pass that as they went, they were cleansed. As they went, they were healed. Notice, they did not wait for Jesus to do something. They didn't wait, you know, they didn't say, Well, Jesus, we came here for you to lay hands on us and pray for us. What good's it going to, can't you see we're... We're, we're got the leprosy. What good's it going to do to go show ourselves to the priest? No, they didn't wait for Jesus to do something. They did what he said to do. And when they applied their faith in what he said, they acted on his word. And it brought God's power into action. It's like that time when that lady came and she asked us to pray, you know, for her daughter, uh, who was trying to have another baby. And she said, I'm going to stand in, in proxy for my daughter. And we prayed. And then I said to her, tell your daughter to go uh, start fixing the room for a nursery and tell her to go buy some baby clothes. What was I doing? The same thing Jesus said to the lepers, go show yourselves to the priest. Go do something now. Go do something. I was, he was get, trying to get them to act on the word. I was trying to get her to act on the word. And, and the lady said, well, I don't think my daughter has enough faith to do that. And I said, well, then you do it. So she did it. She went out and she bought some baby clothes. What'd she do? She acted on the word that we prayed. It wasn't enough just to pray and then... You know, well, when God does something, we'll go buy some baby clothes. No. When, when she stepped out and went and bought the clothes, the power of God came into action to, to, to bear in that situation. So it was acting on the word. The, the lepers didn't stand there and say, well, I believe God's able, and if he ever does, does it, I'll believe it. No. That's not what he did. And like I said, many times people come forward for prayer and they're not believing anything. They just want God to do something and then they will believe it. That's not faith. Now, we're talking about step two, begin the application of your faith. How do you apply faith? You apply faith with your mouth. You say it. Mark eleven twenty three. whosoever shall say, Jesus said, whosoever shall say to this fig tree, whosoever shall say to this mountain. He, he was teaching people how to apply faith. Don't go to the word of God and read it and then say, yeah, but what if it doesn't happen? You just undid your prayer.
It's believing that's the problem. Believing is the problem. Apply your faith by the confession that you have it now. We go to the word on healing. We believe the word more than we believe the condition. We believe the word more than we believe the circumstances. We go to the word of God that tells me I am healed. We read it out loud. We're going to apply the word to the condition. We're going to enforce the word and not the problem. Then start thanking God, start talking healing, start acting healing. That's why, you know, a lot of times when I pray with people, I say, begin to do something that you couldn't do before we prayed. I'm trying to get them to act on, act on the word and start applying their faith and, and beginning uh, to act like they're healed. And, and, and uh, you know, put some motion, into, put some faith into what we prayed. Put some faith into their believing. Begin to do something that they couldn't do beforehand. I'm trying to get them to act on the word. God's word is law and order, sovereign truth in the world of the spirit. I appropriate the answer I need for the material world. The moment you turn to the word, that is the moment you receive. God is always I am. I mean, it, I am is always right now. As, as far as God's concerned, it's already done. The problem is, this is a problem. Let's say right here, uh, right here is when I go to the Word of God, I read it out loud, I return it, the answer to God. I believe I receive when I pray. Let's say the door over there is the manifestation the answer to that prayer. Whatever I need and desire, whatever I've asked God for, that's over there at that door. Now, come up here for a second, Greg. This is the problem. Between right now and that answer to that thing, that thing being in my hand, I got the devil between me and here. That's the problem. So when I start toward that door, you start trying to block me. You start trying to block me everywhere I go. Now, what do I, what do I gotta do? Come on, try to block me. I gotta, I gotta get back. Tough, okay? I can't allow the devil to push me around. Yeah. Amen? Yeah. Because that's his, that, that is the problem. That's the problem because we're dealing in the five physical sense realm. And uh, Satan uh, operates in the area of the five physical sense realm. He's going to try to knock you off course and try to get you to go by your feelings and to get you to come off your confession of what you've already appropriated from God. And this is Satan's counterattack. 
When he gets in between you and that door, that's his counterattack. He's saying, no, you don't. No, you're not getting that. You know, and this is where most people fall, is on the counterattack. They start out right, they go to the Word, they pray, they believe they receive. Hallelujah, I got it. And a few days later, a few weeks later, here the devil comes and he gets between them and that thing. He throws up an obstacle. He have somebody ring you on the phone. You have somebody write you a letter. You have somebody show up at your house. You know, somebody will say, no, you can't have that. That's not our policy. You know, we don't, we don't do that. We've never done that for anybody before. That's just not the way we do things, you know. This is Satan's counterattack. Satan has influence in the natural physical realm. And because we're in the natural physical realm, we have contact with him. And that's what all this manipulation of circumstances out here in the physical realm is to sway our belief in God and to get us off of God's word. Lack of knowledge in this area is why people believe everything that happens to them, good or bad, is from God. They are ignorant about Satan and his operation and influence in the physical realm. Even if it's something bad or negative, they think it was from God and it was for a good reason. Nobody knows why. Nobody knows why. They just believe God did it and it was for a good reason. It, this is lack of knowledge and, and, and this is how Satan gets the advantage over Christians. So, all of these attempts to get to sway your belief and to get you uh, to, to stop believing God, these are only deceptions. And the purpose is to get you to stop believing God and try to convince you this isn't going to happen. They allow Satan to push them and intimidate them. They stop confessing the word. And as soon as they stop confessing the word, Guess what the next step is? They start confessing the problem. They start talking negative. Why this? Why that? You know, uh, I thought I had it. <laughs> you know, I was sure I had it when I prayed, you know. Uh, I believed God when I prayed. You know, it's on the counterattack. That's where Satan uh, usually gets people. So, once they stop talking the word, they start, start talking the problem. Now they're not in agreement with God anymore. Now they're in agreement with the devil that says they're not going to get it. And they start believing the devil that they're not going to get it. And then they start talking that they're not going to get it. And, and this is where Satan, this is where he doesn't have to invent too much more than this. Because this is usually what gets people and puts them off. And then Satan will blame God and tell you it was not God's time. Wasn't God's time timing for you? No, God's time was right here when I prayed and I believed I received. That's God's time. That's God's time. So 
You're going to read the scriptures out loud that cover your situation. You're going to draw a line, whatever on the, you know, floor. At this time, 11.30, Saturday, March the 22nd, 2014, I believe I received that money coming to me in the name of Jesus. I believe I received my healing. I believe I received the thing that I asked for. Amen? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. The results must come because of what the Word says. Not what somebody said it said and not what we think it said. That's why we go to the Word and we put our eyes on it. We read it out loud. There's no question you know, we didn't misinterpret it. We didn't misread it. We, we, we went straight to the Word and read it straight out of the Word. In order to apply your faith, you're going to have to say it and act like it's already done. And this is what the ten lepers did. As far as they were concerned, it was done. They acted on the Word and they turned and they went just like Jesus said. You are not basing this prayer on how you feel or what it looks like. If, you, if When somebody says, I'm healed, if they're basing that on how they feel, it's probably a lie. You know, That's why people say, well, if I said that, I'd be lying. The reason they think that is because they're saying it based on how they feel, not based on what God said. When, when, God says you're healed. And your body's saying, no, I'm not. Now, we're in the middle. So we got our body telling us, no, we're not. You got your bank account telling you, no, we're, we're not met, or whatever. And you got the word of God over here saying, yes, you are met. Yes, you are healed. And we're standing here in the middle. And we're, we got this voice on this side. We got this voice on this side, and we're in the middle of, we're the establishing witness. We're going to decide, it's our decision, which of these voices we're going to listen to, which one we're going to believe, and which one we're going to act on. So that's why people don't understand faith and how it works, because they say, well, I can't say I'm healed when I'm sick. Well, they say they're sick when they're not sick, but... But, uh, you know, they base their confession on how they feel. And because they're basing their confession on how they feel, they think they're, they're telling a lie. They don't understand that their confession is based on the Word of God that says they're healed. That's why it's not a lie. That's the truth. And if we can just get people on the truth, you know, if, if people get a revelation of that, I'm telling you they're on their way out. Hallelujah. Begin to meditate on the scriptures that you have read. Meditating on the word allows the word to dominate your thinking and it expands your faith so that you believe it in your heart. Now, last year, uh, I, I was doing some cleaning around and a lot of times when I'm doing stuff like that and I recommend it, put on a tape, uh, you know, I know Greg listens to the word while he's working, you know, 
if I if I'm dusting or something, you know, washing dishes maybe or something, I have a tape going or a CD. And I had a CD uh, or tape going on a Joyce Meyer. I, I don't listen to her real regularly, but you know, I've got a, a, some of her tapes and they're good. And I just felt impressed to pick up this tape and put it in. And so I was listening to this tape while I was doing my uh, dusting or whatever. And uh, she, what she was talking about had nothing to do with me getting a pay rise, really. But she said something that that trig began to trigger my thinking in that area. And this is why sitting under the Word of God and coming to hear the Word of God is so important because, you know, Brother Copeland has that saying, one word from God can change your life, you know. I'm not kidding. I mean, all it takes is one sentence, and that, that, that might be... You, you might sit in a whole convention all week and all it takes is one sentence to turn your whole situation around. And, and this is what people don't understand. They think, well, I, I've already heard that or, or what they're talking about is not what I need to hear. Listen, the Holy Spirit knows every single person in the room. He knows exactly what they're going through. He knows exactly what they need to hear. And I don't care if it's a sermon on something you think is totally unrelated to you the Holy Spirit has a way of taking something that was said in that sermon and it's the answer to what you need to hear. And that's why it's so important to be in the Word of God. And she said something and I started meditating on it and started thinking about it. And faith began to rise on the inside of me. And I thought, you know, I haven't had a pay rise for a while. I should, I should you know ask for one. Well, what's the first thing the devil says? Ah, they're not going to give you a pay rise. You know what's, you know, you know all that stuff. Well, I was meditating on the Word and as I meditate on the Word, the Word began to get bigger and bigger and the devil began to get smaller and smaller. And so, I also went to the Word of God, Psalm 512, where God talks about the favor of God. And I'd heard Jerry Savelle preaching along the lines of, of unprecedented favor. Believe in God for unprecedented favor. So, as the, over the next few days, faith began to rise up, and I acted. I acted on my faith. I picked up the phone, and I called the guy. Not the head guy, but, you know. I said, you know, I'd like to request a pay rise. And he said, okay, well, it's, yeah, it's been a while since you had one. I'll, I'll talk to the guy above me or whatever. So, uh, fine, he said, I'll get back with you. So he got back with me, and he said, yeah, um, you know, okay. And he said, this, this is what we'll give you per hour, you know, pay rise. Well, that is what I, they had always given me, you know, this increment or whatever. That's the pay rise I had always gotten. Every time I got a pay rise, it was always by this certain amount. And uh, I said, no. I said, I want twice that. Now, I had faith. I had, I had God's word. See, that's, that's where your boldness and your confidence comes from is the word. I had God's word for unprecedented favor. And I stepped out 
And I said, and I wasn't nasty about it or anything, and I didn't explain all this faith teaching to this guy. I just said, no, I want twice that. Now, the reason I asked for twice was that was unprecedented. I had never asked for twice before. I had never received twice before. I said, Lord, what they're offering me is not unprecedented. That's what I've always had. That's the normal. I said, I'm believing you said through Jerry Savelle, and I believe he hears from you, that you want us to believe for unprecedented favor, and I've asked for it. And so again, he went off. He said, well, oh boy, I don't know. That's, I don't know if we can do that or not. What, what's the devil doing? Trying to plant doubt, trying to plant fear. The word's not going to work this time. You may have got it before. You won't get it this time. I didn't entertain those thoughts. I kept saying, Lord, you said unprecedented. I didn't say unprecedented. You said unprecedented. So I just kept, you know, went on about my business. Next day, he comes back. Okay, you can have it. We'll do it. Never done it, never done it for anybody else. That's unprecedented. I've never asked before, I've never gotten that before. But because I listened to that tape, what if I hadn't listened to that tape? What if I hadn't, you know, been prompted to start meditating on the word in that area? What if I had let fear talk me out of it? You know? So that's, that's the uh, advantage. That's what meditating on the word helps you to do. Is it begins to, to cause faith to rise up into you to a place where you can begin to act on it. Number three, refuse to allow doubt and fear to enter your consciousness. Refuse to allow doubt and fear to enter your consciousness. Like I said a minute ago, you're in the middle. You've got the devil on one side telling you you don't have it. You've got God's word telling you you do have it. So whoever you agree with, uh, with your words and actions, that's the way it's going to turn out. You know, what if, what if I uh, hadn't have asked? I wouldn't have gotten it. And then, uh, to myself, I could have justified, well, it wasn't God's will. I mean, if, if it's just not God. If it's God's will, they would, they'd give it to me anyway. You know, I wouldn't have to ask. If it's God's will for me to have it, I'd just have it. They'd just give me a pay rise. That's the way a lot of people believe. That's the way they, they pray. You know, they just think, if it's God's will, it's going to happen. Nothing could be further from the truth. There's a lot of things that's God's will that's not happening. Because people are not asking and they're not believing. So, Hebrews 10.35 says, Cast not away, therefore, your confidence. Cast not away, therefore, your faith and your boldness, which has great recompense of reward. Our boldness and confidence is the fact that we have God's word on it. That's what gave me the boldness to go to that guy and ask him. I had a rhema word from God on the inside. It wasn't just uh, on paper anymore. It was God speaking to me. And, and that, that boldness 
caused my faith to rise up and act and act on it. A bad confession is throwing away your confidence and faith. Failing on Satan's counterattack is when people throw away their fearless confidence, they stop believing and confessing the word because failure looks inevitable, or because they did not base their prayer on God's word to begin with. It is your decision whether or not to believe and keep believing, God or the devil. Keep the word before your eyes. There was another situation a couple of years ago uh, my mother was living in this retirement community, and the only thing, the only thing those people did, you know, she didn't re require any care, really, extra care, anything like that. The only thing they were supposed to do for her was to keep up with her medication. And guess what? That's the one thing they could not get right. And I mean, there was a, a whole catalog of errors that took place, uh, eventually she wound up in the hospital over it. Uh, and, uh, as you know, the, the world has gone upside down crazy. And so, even though my mother was the victim of this, and, it, and their errors and their mistakes landed her in the hospital, we, you know, my sister and I, we met with them and we had discussions and, and uh, we kind of, you know, said we want this done and they changed people and we had a whole turnover of people and the people they would replace them with was as bad or worse than the other people. And anyway, in the end, my sister phoned me and said, they want to sue mother, <laughs> you know, for... Well, I'm not going to go into the whole story, but they want to sue her, and she was, she was the one that landed in the hospital. So, I said, okay, I said, whatever you have to do in the natural, just do it, but it's going to be okay. Well, my mother's lawyer asked for, you know, a little bit of, a uh, couple of things for my sister, and so anyway, sometime between then and the next morning, I was, uh, you know, in, in the Word, and uh, before I would start to work, I'd sit in the car 15 or 20 minutes and, you know, have my uh, devotion or read the Word or have particular scriptures. And the Lord led me, I don't remember how, but to Psalm 33, verse 10 and verse 16 and 17. And verse 10 says, The Lord bringeth the counsel of the heathen to naught, he maketh the devices of the people of none effect. And when I read that, I said, that's it, that's it, that's it. That is the answer to this problem. That is the answer to these circumstances. God is going to bring the counsel of the heathen to naught, this threat and, and all these actions. God's going to bring it to nothing. Now, what was the purpose of that threat? To intimidate and, and try to put fear in us and try to get us to back off and cow down and, and, and do what they wanted us to do. See, they, all this, was, all this negative uh, image was something that they created. 
they, they inflicted this negative image about what was going on in this place, and they didn't like the negative image, so they got mad at us, you know. And so the whole purpose of that threat was to intimidate us and try to get us to back down. Now, I began, I emailed my sister, and I said, I've got... I've got the answer, you know, I found the answer in the word, I gave her the scripture, and I said, God's going to turn this situation, and this is, you know, this is just going to come to naught. So I begin to meditate on those scriptures every morning over, you know, a few weeks and months. We never heard one more word. That was the end of it. They dropped the whole thing. They dropped the whole threat. We never heard one word. Now somebody would say, oh boy, what? You were lucky. No, we weren't lucky. <laughs> no, well, you must have had a good lawyer. No, we didn't, you know, we didn't, uh, you know, there might have been one, uh, a letter that went back and forth maybe one time, but that's not what did it. I had a word from God. I meditated on that word. I said, Lord, this is the answer to this situation. I found the answer and I took it to God and I stood on it and I said, this is the answer and this situation is going to change. And they dropped that threat. We never heard one more word from them. 2 Corinthians 10, 4 and 5 says, uh, talks about, you know, the weapons of our warfare. They are not carnal, but they are mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. If you play with these thoughts of fear and doubt, and receive them, they become strongholds. Stop them before they become strongholds. Then verse 5 says, Casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. The knowledge of God is the Word of God. The knowledge of God is the Word of God. When we pray and base our prayer on God's Word and believe we receive because of the Word, we apply our faith because of the Word, then anything between me and that door over there, anything that's contrary to me getting to that door and attempts to stop me and exalt itself above the Word of God that says I have it, that's, that's something that's attempting to exalt itself against the, uh, above the Word of God. And Jesus is the Word. So it, the Word says we're, we're to cast those things down and not play with them and don't allow them to become a stronghold. Go to the Word that says your needs are met. Philippians 4.19 Pray according to that scripture. Apply your faith in line with that. Then Satan comes along and says, it sure doesn't look like it's going to happen this time. Uh, you know, if God was going to do it, he would have done it by now. These thoughts are against the word of God and they're against everything that you prayed. You pray the prayer of agreement that your needs are met. And if you let these negative thoughts from Satan in and start playing with them, the next thing you do, you get off the agreement, and then you start hoping. I sure hope so. 
You're going to fling away your confidence in God's word and start agreeing with the thoughts and then you're going to start talking about them. Then you're going to start acting like it's true. Satan operates in the area of suggestion and this is the deal. He does not come up to you and introduce himself to you before he gives you a thought. The devil's not walking around with a sign on the front that says, I am the devil, and these thoughts in your head are from me. That's not the way he operates. He doesn't introduce himself. You think it's your thoughts. That's the way he, he, he tries to, he operates. He gets you to think it's just your thoughts. Why don't you go look at your bank account? Why don't you feel and see if you're healed? What's he trying to do? He's trying to tell you you don't have it. The Word of God says you do have it. You just stand on the Word. You begin to move out. Like when I was here and Greg was trying to oppose me to get to that door, what did I have to do? I had to push back. I had to push back. I couldn't just, you know, just let him push me around, you know. I had to push back. We push back with the word. You know, say out loud, Satan, I command you to get out of my way. I'm going to have that manifestation. I believed I received at 11.30 on Saturday, the 29th of March. I believed I received when I prayed. Now you get out of my way in Jesus' name. That's the way you push back. I will not have doubt and fear. I will not play with you, and I will not accept you in my consciousness. Laugh at him. Laugh at him. When you do this, you are controlling your mind with the weapons of your warfare. Anything that is adverse to you is adverse to the Word of God. If it tells you you can't, you know it was not God. Don't allow doubt, fear, or suggestions adverse to the Word of God. Step four, see yourself succeed. In other words, see yourself with it and not without it. Proverbs 4.21, talking about the Word of God. Let them not depart from thine eyes. Go to the Word and get your answer. That's what I did with that situation with my mother. I went to the Word. God showed me the answer. I began to meditate on it. I began to thank Him for it. I began to see. I get, began to apply that to our situation. I began to see them dropping that uh, threat. If the Word says you're healed, you know, the Word says your needs are met, keep that before your eyes. Take the word of God that says you do have it and change your whole mental attitude about it. Act like you have it and move toward it. Step five, testify of what you believe. Psalm 107 verse two, let the redeemed of the Lord say so. The Holy Spirit makes the word personal to the believer through revelation knowledge. That's, that's what that... Uh, Psalm 33.10, the Holy Spirit uh, made that word personal to me. I knew that was the answer 
to the problem that, that we were facing. And this is what happens when you meditate on the word. The believer testifies to the right that they have been purchased through the substitutionary sacrifice of Jesus. And steps six and seven really go together. Get involved in helping others. Be a giver. This is not just talking about money. To give is to love. If the need is healing, give the message of healing to somebody else who's sick. James 5.16 If you're believing to get out of debt, help someone else who's believing to get out of debt. If you need a new car, help someone else who's believing for a new car. It's not the giving up of something, but it's the giving out of love. It's compassion. You know, it's, it's compassion in action. Believe the word. Believe for a return. Because the word says to do so. To give is to love. God is looking for those who will put his word to work. Amen? Amen.